Good morning, family. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're gearing up for the week of prayer and fasting, which takes place online during the first week of February. This is always a special time for us as we wait on God together as a community in prayer. There's quite a bit you need to know to fully engage with this week, so stay tuned after the service for more details. Today, in preparation for our week of prayer and fasting, Pastor Lou will be sharing about how we, like the early disciples, can wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But for now, let's make room for the Spirit to flood our hearts and homes through worship. Praise. 
just think about you, Lord, in this day. As this been the day, the God of our days that you've made, and how we can worship you and give you praise and honor in this day. And while it is still called day, let us worship him. And let us rejoice in it. The scriptures tell us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I wonder, what's the will of God for me? And there it is right there. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in all things give thanks. And let us do that this morning as we celebrate the Lion of Judah who's roaring from heaven. Let him roar over you, your life, your situation. It's the Lion of Judah roaring from heaven, showing his might, showing his power, and showing his dominion over you, showing his love over you and his grace. Thank you, Lord. You are the Lion of Judah.
Oh, 
Lord, we thank you that in, in all of the realities of life at the moment, the struggles, that you are with us, that you are our God, that you are near to us, and that we can see your glory and live in your glory. I pray for every one of us right now that we will just be in your presence in this moment, that wherever we being part of this service, watching this, 
service and participating in it that we would sense your presence right now, your comfort, your strengthening for each of us. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, family. It's so good to be with you again. It's time to take up the offering in the service. And um, we don't really take up an offering in this way, but, you know, that's the language we use. So won't you get ready to give as you have decided and purposed in your heart to give? You can use the snap scan uh, as it appears on your screen right now, or just also take note of the banking details and, and give in that way. And uh, just remember, the Lord is faithful. And every seed that we sow, He looks after and he returns to us uh, multiplied more than what we sow. So be faithful in your giving and trust the Lord in his provision for you. Thank you as you give. Well, I want to really welcome you in uh, just joining me for the sermon today and thank you for being with us. And I, I guess there's a lot of new people by our viewership numbers. We can see there's a, a lot of new people that possibly could be joining us. And uh, it's one of the challenges that we face a little bit with doing this on camera uh, is that we don't really know you. You obviously get to see me and the, the others that are on screen, but we don't see you. And um, that makes us feel a little bit like, hey, who's watching? And so it would be great even if this today, if you wanted to just, just drop a comment or at least a, 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 an emoji, hopefully a happy face emoji. On, uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, and it'll just let us know you're there. We, we're not going to do anything you know, to follow you up or necessarily or hound you in any way, but just let us know you're there. It's just so great to feel part of a community and, and feel connected. Last week, we started with our series, our new series, uh, and we entitled that it has the title Move with God. And we're talking about how God could be moving in our times and how we respond to Him. And uh, we're using the book of Acts to draw lessons from because those people were facing significant challenges uh, in the early church. And they kept, were able to move with God by the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And we want to do the same. And so thank you for joining us today. I trust that you were able to watch last week's message and uh, because they, they, they do build on one another a little bit. So um, today I want to continue on. And uh, the title of today's message is Wait Before Moving. Wait before moving. I think as people, we always have this tendency when we, when we believe in something, when we think something is important and valuable um, and, and, we think, and, and we think it needs to be done, we want to get going and we want to do it. And, and we sort of sometimes have this idea that I can do it just because I believe in it, just because I understand why it should be done, therefore I can do it. I think of my, our kids when they grew up, we faced many times with them where they would be so disappointed in themselves because they, they thought they could do something. I remember, you know, when they're little and they, they started school like grade naught and they do those, those, they do sport, school sport, you know, and, and athletics particularly, and the little ones, you remember those? And they, and they sort of, you know, line them up and they're going to run, I think, 60 meters or something and, and ready, steady, go, and off they go. And my kids were convinced that they were fast and not one of them ever came in the first five of a race. I think second last was probably the best we ever did as a family. Uh, but they were so heartbroken because they, they were convinced they could do it because, you know, they just thought they were fast. Or when they, I can remember some of them learning piano um, and they were convinced they could play piano. And because they've seen other people do it they, and they believed they wanted to do it and it's a good thing to do. And so when they sat behind the piano for the first time and they were convinced they're going to be able to play a song but you know that that wasn't a song that came out there. That was just a lot of noise. 
And so often as people, we think we can do things. Because we believe in it, we can do it. Um, but so often, there's something more that is required. And that's what Jesus was doing here as we begin to read Acts 1. And I'm going to spend a bit of time in Acts 1 and 2 over the next couple of weeks as we're talking about Pentecost particularly and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was, was exactly this, where Jesus had to say to his disciples, there's something more that you need. Don't just get going. There's something else that you need. Now, I want to thank uh, Dr. Craig Keener, and because uh, what I'm using today is a lot of his information in his lectures on Acts, and he wrote fantastic commentaries and, on the book of Acts, and um, so I'm really drawing a lot from his information. And uh, he just took Acts 1 and 2, and he divided it up in the following sections. Are we going to talk or not talk, talk about all of these sections? I'm probably just going to do one and touch on the second one. But he said Acts 1 and 2 you could divide in the following sections. The, the first one is the promise of Pentecost, verse 4 to 8 of Acts 1. The second is the preparation of Pentecost, verse 12 to 26 of Acts 1. The proofs of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 1 to 4. The people of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 5 to 13. The prophecy of Pentecost, 2, verse 17 to 21. The preaching of Pentecost, 22 to 40. And then the purpose of Pentecost, 41 to 47 of Acts 2. Um, and so we begin as we read Acts 1. About, and we talk about how the Holy Spirit is necessary for us to do the work of spreading the gospel. And uh, if I read that for us together today, from verse 3, I want to read, last week I read verse 1 and 2, so I'm just skipping past that and going to verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Remember last week I said... Part of the reason Luke wrote the book of Acts and he wanted to be as historically accurate as possible. And therefore he, he, he compiled a lot of eyewitness accounts and he himself was an eyewitness. Is because as he wrote to Theophilus, I want you to be certain about the things that has happened. That this is a trustworthy record. So often we, we look in our modern day at history and we think it's tainted by the, the author's perceptions and the author's intent. But this is a trustworthy historical record. And Luke made sure of that. That even when Jesus appeared to people, that them claiming that Jesus rose from the dead was verified by about 500 other people. Uh, people that believed in him and didn't believe in him. So this is a historically correct, trustworthy document that we can look at and to see what unfolded just after Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, but before we get there, on one occasion, the scripture says in verse 4, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, John baptized with the water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were coming up to the Feast of Pentecost, and Jesus was saying to the disciples on this occasion, he said, now you need to wait, because there's something more you need. You don't have what it takes. You may think, and remember last week we spoke about Peter, how Peter thought that he had what it takes, how Peter thought that he had the strength and the ability to stand with Jesus and to, to, to stay the course but here Jesus says to them, you need something more. And with Peter, he worked that place of surrender with Peter, where, he, where Peter got to the place where he recognized that he doesn't have what it takes, but that he needs 
empowering. He needs enabling. And this is what Jesus talks about right from the beginning in the book of Acts. And, and a big part of Acts is the story of the New Testament church and the story of the, of the time of the church, which is carrying on today. We're living in the time of the church right from the beginning. Luke is careful to tell us that the ongoing work of the kingdom of God is dependent on the agency of the Holy Spirit. That we cannot do this work of spreading the gospel, spreading the message of who Jesus is without the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said to them, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait till you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a moment, there was a, a, a marked moment where they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit for the work of the gospel. And, and like I said earlier, so often we think as people, we can do things. But as believers, we have to recognize that just because we believe in the gospel and, and want the gospel to be spread doesn't mean we can actually do it. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We need the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. We cannot do Christ's mission without Christ's power. And Christ's power comes to us through the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit, the Scripture says, that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that now resides within us. Without Christ's power, we cannot do Christ's mission. And uh, we need the Holy Spirit. We, we, we need it. We cannot proceed on our own. So in verse 6 to 8, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So as Jesus was talking to them about waiting for the empowering of the Holy Spirit, they made a connection in their mind because they were Jewish people to the kingdom being restored and Israel being restored as the place of God's kingdom. And so they ask Jesus, they say, are you now going to restore the kingdom? And, and so what they're doing in a sense is they're talking about the end of the story. They, as Jewish people, they've been taught and they, they're expecting the kingdom of God to be established on earth. And for Israel to be part of that kingdom. And, and, but that's the end. That's the fulfillment of everything. So right now, they, they're standing here with Jesus. And Jesus is talking to them about their work that needs to carry on. And the, and the empowering that they need to do the work of the kingdom. But they're going to the end of the story. And they say, are you now going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus says to them, look, it's not for you to know the times that my father has said. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that now. It's going to happen. The kingdom will be established on earth in its finality and in its fullness at some point. And there will be a restoration of Israel within that. But that's, I'm not talking about that now. What I'm talking about now is everything that has to happen between now and then. And so you need the power of the Holy Spirit to work towards that which is the kingdom that will be established. Without the Holy Spirit working through us on earth, the kingdom will not finally be established. If The Holy Spirit has to come and do the work of the kingdom through us. So he's drawing them to the present. He's drawing them to the, the, the reality that they are in now and how they have to live that out going forward. And this amazing verse that we know so well, I just want to read it for you again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. The scripture talks to us a lot in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit and in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the, the Holy Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit is, is built for us much more clearly. 
And one of the key things of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the deposit that we receive. That we receive a deposit. And that deposit is the foreshadowing of what we will in full receive finally. You know what a deposit is. When you, when you buy a car, for instance, or some item, they ask you for a deposit. You pay 10% or 15% of the full fee you have to pay up front when you buy a house normally. You have to pay the full fee. And that's, a, that's an agreement that says, I will pay the first bit now, and, but the full payment will still be received later. That's the a, a, a foretaste. And sometimes the scripture speaks about the, the first fruits that we give, like when we tithe, we give the first fruits, which is a sign to the Lord that we say, I give you my first 10% of my income, not the leftovers, not the little bit at the end, but I give you the first, I give to you first, Lord, because that shows you that everything belongs to you. The full payment I will give you, not payment for my salvation, but my salvation is based on the fact that everything I have and everything I am belongs to God. And this is the deposit I give in a sense to show and be a foretaste of everything. That belongs to God. And therefore the Holy Spirit is this deposit. He's a foretaste for us. You see, because right now we live, as theologians would talk about, we live in the time of the already but not yet. We live in the time where we are seeing the, the, the unfolding of God's kingdom among us. But, the, but we have not yet entered into the fullness of of the kingdom of God. There will come a time in the future. There will come a day where the kingdom of God comes in its fullness, where we talk about the new Jerusalem, we talk about the new earth, where everything is made new and is fully under God's rule and God is king and we are his people and he is our God and we live with him. That'll happen fully one day. But right now, you and I, in the spirit, live in the foretaste of that. You and I live our lives today in the faith and the belief of that which will fully come, we believe it is already happening now in our space. We are creating a space where God is king. You know, remember that old song? Uh, well, it's not that old, but it's a familiar song. Come, now is the time to worship. The, the chorus in that, that song goes, um, One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. You see, that is what the Bible talks about when it says uh, we live by faith, not by what we see, but what we don't see. We, we, we know the kingdom is coming and therefore we live in its reality now. Right now, for us, Jesus is on the throne of our lives and we live our lives that way. The people of the world live as if there is no day of the kingdom of God. There is no final day. There is no great day coming. There is no final day of judgment. Final day of appearing before the Lord. They live as if that is not happening. You and I, we live and we know that that will happen. Therefore, I live every day before God. Right now. For us, the kingdom of God has come. Because we have made God our Lord and Savior. And what makes that possible for us to live today in that which is not fully established on this earth yet, but will be established, but we can live fully in its reality now, is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that the Scripture says is given to us as the foretaste, 
and the deposit of what is to fully come. Let me just read you a couple of scriptures that says that. Romans 8 verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We wait for that day to come. Remember Paul said, for me to, to live is Christ and to die is God. We, we wait for that day. We wait for that moment where we will be fully united with God and be fully present with Him. But right now we have the Holy Spirit that brings us into the presence of God. That makes us live in the presence of God. In the reality of God's presence. We cannot live without the Holy Spirit. You cannot be a believer without the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Ephesians 1 verse 13 to 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory. So when Jesus spoke about to them about go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. He was saying wait for the deposit of that which you will fully receive. And, and that, that word is an economic term in their days. It's the Greek word for it. It's arabone, and which means money which in purchase is given as a pledge or down payment that the full amount will subsequently be paid. And if you paid the deposit, you can't get it back. And so God gives us the Holy Spirit as the first down payment of the fulfillment of his kingdom. So what we can see is the Holy Spirit comes from God's kingdom, from heaven, from the perfect. And he makes us be able to live in that. That's when Jesus prayed, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That is possible because of the agency and the working of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that takes what is in the heavenlies, in the eternal, and makes it our reality here today. We need the Holy Spirit. We cannot live without the Holy Spirit. And therefore Jesus said, you will receive power, power from the Holy Spirit. Because what the Holy Spirit will do is he will take that kingdom reality, that, that ultimate place where God is the ruler, and he will manifest that in this earth. Remember, not, not in its complete fullness yet, but he will manifest that here. The Holy Spirit makes that possible. That we can see the kingdom manifest. We can see the power of the kingdom. That word dynamis means miraculous power. Supernatural power. We're not just talking about you know, ability that you and I have. We're talking about something more. Something from the supernatural that is manifest. That brings God's visible power into the reality of this earth. You see, because if the church does not live... In the kingdom reality and with the power of the kingdom, how can we share the message of who God is and how, we can, how can we make known to him? That's what Jesus says to these early believers. You have to go and wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that you can show people and you can make known to people that which is to come. The only way God's kingdom can be manifest on this earth is by the Holy Spirit's power through his people, the church. Capital C and lowercase c. It's the church's job. It's the church's responsibility. That Israel was God's agents to establish his law and, and to make himself known to us. It is the church's responsibility to carry on that work and to now be the fulfillment and of, of showing how the kingdom of God and what it looks like and what it is. What does it look like where God rules? What, do, what is life like when God is on the throne? You and I live that now. God is on the throne. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power 
to do that supernaturally. The power, the miraculous power that is, that is above every other power on this earth. And that's why you would see the book of Acts is filled with stories. As the, the, the gospels were filled with the stories of the miraculous power of Jesus. But the gospels was, was mostly Jesus doing the miracles. Now the book of Acts, it's his followers that continue on to do the miracles because it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus talks these words, remember again, these were Jewish guys, so they, they had in their mind certain references that they went back to. And uh, they knew the stories of the prophets of the Old Testament that were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They knew of Ezekiel, they knew of Elisha, Elijah, they knew of Isaiah, Jeremiah, of Daniel, of, of Ruth, of Martha, of Deborah. They knew of these stories of these these people of the Old Testament, these prophets, many of them, that were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus was saying to them, the same power that, that gave power to those people of the Old Testament, that same Holy Spirit you will now receive so that all of you can go and do the miraculous works of the kingdom. Be empowered to show the kingdom of God on this earth. Miraculous power. And I pray that in these days that we will see more of the miraculous power, the more of God backing up his word with signs and wonders in our day. I don't believe that that has to happen through one or two individuals and that it becomes a, a, a big show that, that we all have to gather and see one person do it. I believe it's the body of Christ and that which we see in the book of Acts. Remember, Jesus here spoke to the eleven as he said to them, you will receive power. But in that was included the others. We see that in other scriptures where there were others present. And even in the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it wasn't just poured out on the eleven. It was poured out on everybody present. Because it is every one of us that is moved, that needs the Holy Spirit to make the kingdom real in our lives and through our lives. And it is every one of us that step forward in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some people believe that that outpouring was just there for the first group of Christians and, and it stopped after that. We don't believe that. I don't think there's any scriptural evidence for that. We see the ongoing moving of the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we pray for the sick. Today we trust God for the miracles. And how much more in a time of COVID-19 and all the loss and the struggles that we're facing, do we need to step out in our faith and trust God for healings and miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit? Because that's what the Holy Spirit comes and does. And, and, then he, and he says in verse 8, he says, Holy Spirit come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now that <clears throat> word witnesses is, comes back from Isaiah. Isaiah spoke in Isaiah 43. He spoke about being a witness and God spoke to him about being a witness. So the, the disciples again when they heard that, they heard the, Isaiah, the words of, of Isaiah and uh, in verse 43, verse 10 and 8, where he says, You are my witness, declares the Lord. Now the Lord is saying, like the prophets were the witnesses of the Old Testament, you will be my witnesses in this time and going forward. You will tell people of who I am. Now we are witnesses of the Lord Jesus, that he has come, that he is the Messiah, that he brought the kingdom of God to us, and that we can now live in that kingdom, and that that kingdom will one day fully be established. We are the witnesses. We are empowered to be those witnesses. Our mission now is to continue the work of spreading the good news of God's desire to be with us and for us to be his people. That is what the Old Testament prophets did and we continue with that under the power of the Holy Spirit. 
What a joy for us. Isn't that such an amazing thing? That you and I have a role to play. And again, I want to remind you that that wave that we have as an image here in, that we use in our, in our series. It's that wave that started with God and, and in, the, in, in creation. Of God being with us and us being his people and him at the center. And everything being built around him. And that's the place of life and life in abundance. And how that wave has gone through the Old Testament. And then Jesus came and that wave continued throughout the Gospels. And now that wave was, was carrying on through the book of Acts and the new church. And now that wave continues on through us. And it is one of the major themes of the, of the book of Acts. Is how that wave continued to spread even after Jesus left. And more and more people joined. Um, uh, the, 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 the good news went forth. Uh, we have many uh, store, uh, occasions where the gospel says, for instance, how the church grew. Uh, the Lord added to their number daily, as mentioned in Acts 2.47. And in 6.7, it says that the word of God spread. In 9.31, it tells us that the church grew in numbers. And in 12.24, it says that the word continued to increase. And also in 16.5, 19.20, and 28.31, all reflecting the growth of the church. The church expanded because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And not only did it expand in numbers, but it expanded in geography. Remember that Jesus said that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and till the uttermost parts of the earth. There was this spreading geographically of the gospel. And, and it is one of the ways the book of Acts is, is, is developed. In Acts 1 to 7, we see how the gospel was established in Jerusalem. In Acts 8 and 9, it was Judea and Samaria. Acts 10 to 11, to the Gentiles. Acts 13 to 14, to Cyprus and Southern Asia Minor. And Acts 16 to 20, Asia, Greece. And Acts 20 to 28, 21 to 28, to Rome, which was a representation of the uttermost parts of the earth. I don't know if you know this, but those people had a sense in those days when Jesus said it's to the ends of the earth. They had a view. Obviously, they, they haven't been everywhere, but they had quite a large view of what the earth looked like. To them, the, 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 the ends of the earth to the east was, um, uh, sorry, to the, to the west was Spain and, um, and, the, and the, what they called the, the Ocean River. That they felt covered the earth. That, that is as far as they had understanding the, 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 the ends of the earth there. To the, to the east, they knew of China. They had trade with China. Uh, the Romans had trade with China. They knew that the earth stretched far to the east. And then to the north, they had a sense of Russia. They, they knew of the people of Russia. They had the, the Britain even they knew about. And Germany and places like that, there was a sense of the earth going that far. And then south, they, they knew of Africa. And, they, and they, they, they knew of Africa as far probably down as Tanzania at that time because there was a, a bust of Caesar found in Tanzania. And uh, the, there was the Nubian kingdom that was a mighty kingdom that the Romans could couldn't conquer just south of Egypt. So they had a large view of the ends of the earth. But they also knew because they're living in a time of exploration and every so often a new portion of land would be discovered, that they knew that the earth, there was more to it. And so when the, when the Bible says to the ends of the earth, it really means to the ends of the earth. They didn't know about South Africa at the time. They didn't know about the Americas. But when the gospel is recorded for us to advance in the book of Acts all the way to Rome, Rome was sort of the representation. It was the seat of power at the time. It was the seat that connected most of the world to say that the gospel will spread to the ends of the earth. And aren't we so amazed today that we know the gospel has spread to the ends of the earth all around the globe. 
the gospel has spread. And there are still places where the gospel needs to go. There's still unreached people groups, and it is still our task to keep spreading the gospel. There are your neighbors that don't know who Jesus is. They may have some knowledge of and, 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 and think they know who Jesus is, but they need somebody to live empowered by the Holy Spirit close to them and in their midst, in, their, in your offices, in, 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 our, in our gyms, in our malls, wherever we move, when we're allowed to move uh, digitally now as we connect with people, they need to see the kingdom of God represented in people that are kingdom people empowered by the Holy Spirit. The gospel goes to the ends of the earth. Then I want to read the last couple of verses in Acts 1, verse 9 to 11. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently upon, up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I mean, what an amazing event. Jesus ascends. They're all standing there. I just picture it in my mind. They're standing there sort of saying their goodbyes to one another. And, and, and suddenly they start noticing Jesus getting taller. And then they look down and it's because his feet is not touching the ground anymore. And he starts ascending from them. And they were probably, you know, if they were like South Africans, you know, we, we walk to the car and talk with people for another half an hour. Perhaps Jesus was hovering. And uh, because I'm convinced Jesus, you know, had some South African in him. Because last week we saw he, f- he solved the problem around the braai. You know, him and Peter with the, with the, on, the, on the sea, at the sea there on the beach, braying fish. The, you know, he knew that a braai is where you solve problems. So just, you know, just think about that. But they, he was ascending. And as, as further and further he went up and eventually he disappeared and there the disciples are standing going, wow, what now? And they're still standing around looking and the two angels appeared to them and said, hey guys, why are you standing here? And, and it's like I hear them saying, listen guys, there's work to be done. You can't be standing here that, that Jesus has left now, but he's coming back. There's, there's a space of time you need some, to do some work in and, and that's not open-ended, but it, it's going to happen that Jesus is coming back. And between now and then, there's a lot that needs to be done. So get going. And what did they do immediately? They went back to Jerusalem, as we read last week, and they went into the room, the upper room, and they started preparing for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. How do we prepare for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? In prayer, in unity, together, and in prayer. It is by praying, putting our hearts before the Lord, the surrender that Jesus worked in Paul, uh, Peter's life that we spoke about last week. We come and we surrender ourselves to the Lord and we say, Lord, here we are. We are ready. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us. We ask the Lord. The, the scripture says, how much more will the Father pour out the Holy Spirit on you if you ask him and seek him? If you ask him, he, he will give you the Holy Spirit. We must ask. We must desire. We must yearn. And I know many of us have received a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that's an ongoing, refreshing work. I want to be engaged and, and receive more of the Spirit every day because I believe there's more of my life that, that over time as I'm a disciple of Christ gets released to Him and I surrender to Him and there's just more that the Holy Spirit can fill and there's, there's less fear that I have and less self-absorption that I have and so more and more the Holy Spirit can use me so I want to regularly say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, come. And we want to, as, as community, as the two churches, we're going to take time now in the beginning of February from the 31st till the 7th 31st of January to the, 30th, to the 7th of February, we're going to do our, our annual week of prayer and fasting. And this year, we're going to particularly focus and pray and wait on the Lord and trust Him for an outpouring of His Holy Spirit. 
We believe it's a time where God is saying the gospel has to move forward unhindered. But you and I, we are more just people with our own stuff and limitations and fears and concerns. But God can do it by His Holy Spirit. If God could take these disciples that were so lost at times, that were so, so inept at times, and he could begin this amazing move that is still continuing in our day. What can he do through us? And it's our turn now. It's your turn and my turn. The gospel has to continue to be spread in our neighborhoods, in our streets, over our digital connections with people. The gospel needs to be spread, but we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. So we're going to spend a time together in that week, the first week of February, and we're going to pray and I'm going to invite you to please join us. It's all going to happen online over digital uh, rooms that we're going to be praying in. We obviously cannot meet in person. But we, nonetheless, we're going to pray and we're going to press into the Holy Spirit. So at the end of the service today, please stay on. And there will be some more information that will come to you about each church and uh, of the churches and how they will be doing the week of prayer fasting from the, 7th till the, uh, from the 31st till the 7th. And uh, there's also other announcements that I would like you to just stay online at the end of the service so that you know of everything that happens uh, according to the church that you are watching it through this service. But I want to pray today and I want to ask the Lord right now together and ask that you will join me. If you're a family watching together, why don't you just even take hands right now and, uh, or in some way just come together. Uh, if you're watching on your own, then I include you in this prayer. Just raise your hands and let's ask the Holy Spirit to come. And to empower us to live the kingdom of God now and to be the empowered to spread the, the news of the gospel and of the Lordship of Jesus and of the grace and the goodness of our Father. This world needs it desperately. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have instructed us to wait for the Holy Spirit. And we recognize today that we cannot do the work and live the kingdom Without the Holy Spirit. We will not even know who you are Jesus. Knowing. Not just reading about you. But knowing you. Experiencing you. Experiencing your lordship. Experiencing the difference it makes to live in your kingdom. We will not know what that is without the Holy Spirit. And so therefore we come today as a community. As, as families. As brothers and sisters. Together we bow our knees before you. And we say Lord pour out your spirit upon us in Jesus name. Come, Holy Spirit, make us live in your kingdom and empower us to spread the, the, the news of who Jesus is and of the kingdom of God. Let no COVID-19 restrictions, let no economic restrictions, let no social restrictions keep us, Lord, but empower us so that the gospel will continue to advance, so that every person may know you and your goodness, Lord. Empower us right now. We may feel weak. We may feel like scared. We don't know what to do. But thank you that you can empower us. Dynamous, miracle working power. And we trust you in these days. For miracles, signs and wonders to back up your word. And we thank you for that. Come Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment. Just right where you are, just take a moment and just say, Lord, I receive you right now. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Be poured out in every home, every car, every place, every person is watching and praying with me right now. Be poured out, Holy Spirit. Oh, we thank you.
Thank you, Lord. If we ask, we receive. We receive you right now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay online for the announcements and, and diarize the week of prayer and fasting. It's going to be a great time together. But I'll see you next week again in the service here, 930. Join us as we continue on with our series, Move With God. Bless you. Have a fantastic day and a wonderful week in the presence of God. Hi, family. Uh, our week of prayer and fasting takes place in the first week of February. Uh, there are three ways to participate in this year's journey, mainly through our daily devotionals, fasting, and our virtual prayer room. And you're probably wondering, what is a virtual prayer room? It's like our prayer chapel, but just in a virtual space. Our website unpacks each opportunity in detail, but there are two things I really want to highlight today, mainly our devotional booklet and our corporate prayer evenings. Our pastoral team has prepared this wonderful devotional journey which we'd like to work through together as a community. Each day focuses on a foundational truth and follows a framework that is really easy to engage with. Uh, you can pick up a hard copy of this from the church reception or download it as an electronic copy from our website. Uh, the idea is that each of us sets time aside each day from 1 to 7 February to journey through this book. There's a special anointing when a community comes together to pray. And whilst we're not able to meet in person, we've created a virtual prayer room where we can meet together. And this will be on Wednesday to Saturday evenings from 7 p.m. Uh, why not join us for at least one of these sessions? Uh, we'd love to see as many of you there as possible. Uh, we'll be launching our week of prayer and fasting next week during the service. But until then, save the dates, visit our website for an outline of the service, and feel free to pick up a copy of the devotional booklet from our church reception. Let's get ready to see what God wants to do with us. And remember, all of this takes place online. That's for all from me. See you soon. Bye-bye. Great I am, faithful God, you are, you are. Bright King, living word.